Good morning. Welcome to Secret to My Success. My name is Alan Bornstein, and I'm here with... Luis Alasea. Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here once again in this beautiful, beautiful morning. So we are here to talk to business owners about their journey, their venture, how they went from being employed by somebody to being self-employed. Luis brought some amazing guests in here that have played professional sports, football, baseball. Football, baseball, uh, basketball, and uh, golf. We've had some wonderful people, and this is about learning their secret to their success to help you grow your business. Thanks for being here with us this morning. We're so glad you could be here. If you have an interesting story, if you know somebody, that you think we should be talking to, we'd like to hear from you. You can reach me, Alan, 561-953-2007 at extension 101. Once again, my name is Alan. Secret to my success, 561-953-2007, extension 101. Please call us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being here with us on Secret to My Success this wonderful Saturday morning. I'm here with the exciting, crazy Louis Alisea. Hello, hello. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We have Don here. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here again, Don, Louis. Always fun to have you here, even though we're having a little microphone failure. It's all good, but it's probably Don's fault. Yeah. Right. Have you been playing with the microphone a little too much lately or what? <laughs> or is it Mike? It's Mike? Yeah, I'm again. The morning show, well, they change everything around, so it's okay. When they come in, because um, this is a live studio, usually... You don't do tapings like this in a live studio, but we do here, you know? But so they change it around, and we just have to readjust it to our... Is it true that us. Mike McGann, that there's not a Mike that Mike doesn't like? <laughs> Is that true? Mike loves everybody. No, that he, there's a microphone that he does not like, that uh, there's I, no microphone I I that, that Mike doesn't like. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, that's true. That's he true. He loves that mic. Yep. Exactly. He loves it. Exactly. He's on the mic. He's a performer. He's no, a performer. You know. He's the best, yeah. Performer. <laughs> Well, on that note, let's talk about somebody else who's performing for us. We have Bruce Caprera. Did I butcher your last name, Bruce? It's perfect. You said it perfect. I did? Yes. So, Bruce, before we get into your business, let's talk about where you're from. Upstate New York originally, um, Schenectady, and grew up there and been living here in Jupiter Palm Beach Gardens area for 35 years. Let's talk about really important affiliations. Mets, Yankees. Yankees, Yankees. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I always say, go Yankees, just go, <laughs> go. It sounds like you're a Red Sox fan. I'm definitely a little bit of a Red Sox fan. Yeah. But it comes down to this. I don't like, it's not that I don't like the Yankee team. It's the Yankee fans that drive me nuts. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, they say the same thing about the Red Sox fans. Exactly. But, oh, you know, it's funny. You go into Fenway Park, right? And the Red Sox are playing the Kansas City Royals. And you see the Royals teams there, and you see the Red Sox fans there. And there's always some idiot that shows up that's wearing Yankee attire. And he's, he's just yelling looking and for screaming attention. like he thinks he's at the right game. He's just looking for attention. That's all he is. The is wrong is? kind of attention. Yes. Exactly. That's the guy that gets bears tipped on him yep. and things like that, right? He's, he's looking for love, extra love. He's looking for love. Exactly. Well, so, so just so you know, I'm opening a restaurant, and it's one of the reasons I'm here. One of our bartenders is Liz Torrey, who is mm, the niece of Joe Torrey. I know Liz. So it's going to be a Yankee bar, just so you know. I know Liz. Well, you know, you know uh, Liz? Yes, I know Liz. Uh, her son played for me, actually, rec uh, traveled. Oh, no kidding. And uh, Joe Torrey was uh, my manager in St. Louis for two or three years. Oh, wow. So I know That's Joe. Awesome. I know his. So 
know his family very well. I think Liz right. has got a friend who is Adriana Chinsky. I know Adriana well. So Adriana's brother is my brother from another mother. That's Marcelo. Oh, okay. Yes. Wow. And it's the weirdest thing. What a small world. Right? I'll tell you what. In fact, not only is Marcelo my brother from another mother, but Mar Marcelo is actually living with my mother, hmm. wow. which is so much better for me. Tell you so, yes, about I know they're buddies. I've heard this name before. I've seen pictures of uh, Joe Torre giving him, like, all these really cool tickets for the World Series and everything else. Uh, tell yeah. you a story about when he was uh, my manager. I was with the Cardinals. Uh, I remember he, you know, I was kind of on his bad side a little bit, and uh, you, we, we, yes, me, slacker, slacker. So we go to we go to uh, Montreal. I feel you know what? I'm not Joe likes small cigars, so I go to one of them cigar places and get a real nice, expensive cigar. I forgot how much I pay for it. A Swisher Sweet. I I go ahead and You're put it in his locker. <laughs> I see him, takes a bite, you know, throws it in the garbage. I'm like, Hey Joe, how do you like my cigar? Oh, is that your cigar? Yeah, I was just, you know, talking of thank you. He goes, that wasn't my kind. It was, uh, gave me another name. I'm like, all right, I tried. Jeez, <laughs> that's funny. So it was a Swisher Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I love those, the 29-cent cherry ones. No, it was actually, uh, I think kidding. it was a Cohiba or something like that. I, I think I bought them. Oh, really? Yeah. I would have thought he would have been like a Davidoff guy up there. I don't know. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's talk about you, Bruce. Yes. Bruce, tell us, how'd you get from New York to Florida? Well, I went to college at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And from there, I got recruited by a company called Hands. So I ran Hands in Plantation, Florida. Mm -hmm. Then they sent me to Boston, Massachusetts, your favorite place. I managed the Hands there in Quincy Market for four years. Quincy Market. Then back then they, because um, I was pretty good at what I did, so they sent me to different restaurants to go fix them when they were weren't doing so well. So, been in Florida ever since. In this area, Palm Beach Gardens, Jupiter, been here about thirty five years. Nice. So you had inherited a restaurant from your family, uncle, aunt, correct? No, not quite. I um, worked my aunt's. Owned a couple restaurants in upstate New York. Oh, it was the Gene. It wasn't the restaurant. It was the Gene. Uh, ah, yeah. I thought you got the, the restaurant and the Gene. I got a little bit of both. Okay, so, so let's hear it's about that. It's the only reason I'm sitting here today is because of my aunt's owning restaurants, and I thought it was the greatest business in the world. Is it? Nights, weekends, and holidays? Oh, it sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> do you really want me to answer that? Uh, some days, yeah. Some it's days. In, when it's in your blood, you become a, addicted to it. It's really a fun business. There's action all the time if you like action. I'm one of those guys. Sometimes you have those days that just drive you insane. Yes. I, uh, I have a little bit of experience on that. I, I actually, a uh, long time ago, I bought a small place down here. Mm -hmm. uh, it was actually, uh, it's called the Sandbar, which is no longer there. Uh, it was on uh, Dixie and by, by the railroad tracks next to Havana. Oh, okay. And... Uh, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, cooks don't show up. Uh, people stealing money. I mean, it didn't matter what cameras you put. They're always. Uh, it's a tough business. So how do you? I mean, how do you go through that and handle that and handle the employees? Because I know it's difficult. You need thick skin for sure. It's, it's not an easy business. Everybody thinks it's glamorous, and there is that side to it. But you know, 
you have two, three, four employees calling out every day and you're trying to fill those voids, you have to really love it to do it. And um, it's like I said, it's in my blood. It's how I grew up. And um, yeah. Years and years ago, I used to be part of a school program called the NSVP, National School Volunteer Partnership Program, and they paid businesses to partner with schools. And I got picked with this school that was the worst kids of the worst kids. And I said, I'll take you on three field trips to anywhere you want to go. And what's the first place they wanted to go? A restaurant. A bar. Oh, yeah. Okay, because it's glamorous. I get to buy all my friends drinks. And I called the bar owner and I said, let's figure this out. I said, we want to come in on a Monday morning, leave the place a wreck. I mean, we're going to walk in and show them that this place is a dump. He's like, that's a good idea. So we walked in, craps all over the floor, and we're explaining to these kids that the glamour and glitz that you see on TV where you're buying your buddy's drinks is such the little unimportant part of owning a restaurant. It's about ordering food. It's about hiring. It's about the facilities. It's about cooking. It's about product. It's about avoiding stealing. It's about how you keep people from getting killed in your place. It's about the bouncers. It was all the stuff. That, like, they didn't see any of it. You know, we envision this on TV and the movies that it's the coolest thing. You know, look at the movie Cocktail. It started out where they're throwing beers or uh, drinks up and down and making drinks. Yeah. It's glitz right. and glamour. Right. But like you just said, it feels that way until you get to own it. And then the craziness begins. Yes. And, uh, How do you deal with it? Seriously, every day. You have to day. be a special person and take a lot. I mean, you like I said, you have to have thick skin. You have to... You just, you're constantly filling voids. And the big thing with restaurants is you have to be consistent. If you're putting out five, six, seven hundred dinners a night, they all have to be perfect. And if they're not, that one person's going to let you know it. So you have to be on your game. Yeah. And, and it's the reason why I think, too, that 80% of restaurants at, within a five-year pe period fail because it's difficult to be on that game all the time. You have to, to be fresh. Good. You have it, to be fresh. You have to be fresh. You, you know, have to I, constantly um, reinvent yourself. Very, very good point about reinventing. I I used to, when I was playing ball, my biggest thing, I, I still have a lot of menus from different restaurants around the country because I always felt I'm going to create a book for people when they come to the city where, where to go to eat the best steak or where to go the be to eat the best dessert sure. and, and so on. So... I will pick up menus from different parts of the country and I will send it to my guys. Say, look, I want you this month, I want you to put this into the menu and I want you to put this as a dessert. Right. And we kept, you know, we kept people calling me like New England clam chowder. You know, we had a guy that was like awesome, but the, the days a guy didn't show, believe me, it was just not the same clam chowder. And people come just for that. And it was like, hey, this is not the same thing I bought last week. Right. So it, it was, I, I see the challenge there. So how do you, I mean, it's hard for you, ain't it? Incredibly. <laughs> And, you know, we're opening a restaurant. It's about two to three weeks away right now called Seminole Reef Grill. And it's something I'm preaching every minute of every day. Fortunately, we have three phenomenal chefs. Two of them have been in this area in the same restaurants for over 55 years and very successful restaurants. The third one we just got from Iowa City, he was a master sushi chef. And we talked him into coming here. So um, he owned three fine dining restaurants in Iowa City. So he is about 27 years as well. 
as an executive chef. So it's um, the con- I'm constantly talking about consistency in this business. We have to be on our game. We know we're going to be a very successful restaurant. And so it's important that these guys, every minute of every day, every product is always the same. You just mentioned something about one cook from another because not the same cook is cooking the same dish every day. Mm -hmm. Well, that's training. That's the chef staying over their shoulder saying, you're doing it wrong, fix it. And if it does happen, you by the next day or whatever, you sit that cook down and say, this is the way it's going to be done. So, again, it's consistency. And, um, in terms of, um, I hear seafood, sushi. Yes. Um, I, I notice in this area, for instance, even though we're on the water, very difficult to find fresh fish, fresh, fresh seafood. I mean, I go to Miami because a friend of mine owns Garcia Seafood, which is a guy I went to school with at Florida State. So he has his own boats and fresh fish all the time. But up here, I would reckon that, and I would imagine that there will be more fresh seafood restaurants. Uh, how are you going to handle, I mean, are you going to be able to do well, that? Well, part of our theme is boat to table. So we have awesome. several local fishermen that will be buying a majority of our fish from. Nice. We don't want that middle guy in there. because No hooks and worms, though, right? No. Okay. Just Only top-notch, yeah. <laughs> That's great and, to uh, hear. So, yeah, so I would say majority. Like our sushi guy, he will only buy the highest-grade tuna. Everything about us is quality and freshness. We are a scratch kitchen. All our sauces, all our dressings are made straight from scratch. Nice. So we're doing it right. You said your okay. managing partner, managing director of this restaurant, correct? Yep. You're hands-on. Mm-hmm. Tell me your thoughts about people that think they're going to own a restaurant and not be there and let other people run it. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there are successful absentee owners. There are owners that own several restaurants, 10, 12 restaurants, correct? They can't be in every restaurant every day, and sometimes they don't even show up. So the key to that is hiring the best general manager to run that restaurant correct. and the best staff. So I am a partner. I will be there. I will tell you this. Every single day, probably open to close for at least the next three or four months because I want to make sure those wheels are spinning at 100% at all times. There's a restaurant up in Tampa, and I'm not going to get into too many names, but they've got this philosophy about the whole experience. And the one thing that they talk about is they show the guy at the, uh, who's washing the dishes. Yeah. And they say anywhere else, he's a dishwasher. But the bottom line is, no matter how good our food is, no matter how great the experience is, if the plate's dirty, the whole right. thing went bad. Right, right. How do you get everybody to buy in? In order to have that kind of philosophy, you've got to get everybody in that place to buy in that it's an experience. Right. So it's, I'm glad you asked that because my big thing, I'm old now. And I've been doing this for about 38 years. And I don't want drama, I want perfection, and I want a family. And something I'm emphasizing to every single person that we're hiring is that we're going to become one, one big family, everybody helping everybody, and if not, you won't be part of our family. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as that. I don't need stress, 
and it's a very stressful business. So we're gonna try to minimize. I will tell you this, for the first time in my life, I have the most seasoned staff, whether it's from the chefs, to the cooks behind them, to the eight bartenders that we've had on board for five months that have massive experience in this area, uh, to the wait staff. So I feel incredible about my staff and um, I am so looking forward to this adventure here. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Price-wise, where are you gonna range com comparable to the, to the area? Well, I wanna be in the middle. Um, you know, I ran, I don't mind saying, Jupiter Ale House, the original Ale House, which is very um, reasonably priced. You get the most bang for your buck and uh, very successful chain. So I'm of that mentality. But we also have the highest food cost concept out there, which is seafood. And seafood's off the chain right now as far as pricing goes. So you have to have a balance where we can't be real, real high end, but you can't be low end. So you have to get the money today, and uh, it's just a sign of the times, really. So I'm all about the local clientele, not just the people with the money here seasonal. So I'm about anybody and everybody could come to a restaurant and find something affordable for them. We had a guest that was on here, a guy named Jordy Murphy mm -hmm. from Phoebe Soft. Yeah. Are you familiar with Jordy? Never heard of him. Jordy actually created this platform to take guys like you 35 years ago that didn't have 38 years of experience and break down what your actual restaurant costs are every minute of every day. And he's got this really cool subscription service and there's all these tools that are out there now. A lot of people, when you didn't have this kind of stuff 38 years ago, you just kind of you had to wing it, you had to figure it out. Right. Yeah. And, and they've gotten all these different things now, all these tools, and it's crazy. Like, I actually enjoy watching uh, Bar Rescue. Right. I mean, a lot of it's crap, a lot of it's garbage. It's changed. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm noticing things I didn't notice before. I'm like, that dude's got his thumb in my plate, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, there's stuff that you would not have paid attention to. Correct. Right? And it makes you think when you go into a restaurant, if that bathroom's vile and disgusting, what's That's the kitchen sign. look like? Yeah. Right. I mean, seriously. You could tell at a good restaurant when you walk into the bathroom is beautifully done, nice and neat and clean, smells good. You know, it's like, it's a good sign. Right. Correct. And all that information's out there now. Yeah. How do you get your people to realize that you are under the gun every day? Everybody walks in is a TV station with a video opportunity to video everything that happens in your restaurant. It, it's crazy, but it comes down to management and having the right people on board. Fortunately, we have that, but you have to stay on every department, whether it's your busboy, your food runner, your cooks, your hostesses cleaning the bathroom, being in there every 15 minutes, to that dishwasher, making sure every plate is spotless, to your wine glasses having no water spots on them, mm -hmm. your silverware being polished. I know we all been to restaurants where you open up your roll-up and here's dirty silverware. Can I get a new knife and fork, please? So it really comes down to management. It truly does. Bruce, I want to hear about the worst customer you ever had. Seriously. I want to hear about somebody no that no just... Names. Yeah, I don't want their names. Because if it was your mom, it's just not a good thing. Or if it was my mom, it's not a good thing. So let's hear about the worst customer and how'd you deal with it. 
kick him out. <laughs> oh, God, I got bomber. some real gory stories. Give me one. But, Come on. Um, pick one. <sighs> so, all right. This, I don't know if this was the worst customer or not, but when I was managing Hands in Boston. I oh, had, it was a Yankee fan, wasn't it? <laughs> Never mind. I'm sorry. Keep going. I had to deal with all those Boston fans back then. But I had these two girls come in, and they sat there for four and a half hours drinking and eating. And one of them uh, left, and the other one was about to leave, and the waiter comes up to me. I think these girls are going to bolt. So I said, really? So I ran to the front door. I said, there's no way, because their tab, and this is back in the mid-'80s, so their tab was like $160 for the two of them. So sure enough, I'm standing by the door, and the one girl sneaks underneath my arm and starts running. I chased her five city blocks, <laughs> which were long city blocks, probably at least a half a mile or so. And I caught her, grabbed her. Fortunately, there was a cop nearby. And she was about to scream something that was inappropriate, and I, I called them over. Was it, Dad, don't touch me there? Uh, I'm sorry. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, get over here. This is what happened. So he made her give me uh, her license. Um, she did have a credit card with no money on it. So later that night, she came back and got him and paid her tab. But oh, wow. I don't know. You know, you have so many things. That's just one. Right. That's how crazy things happen in this business. Yeah, people but are, right, to go in and, and even try and pull something like that. Sit there for four hours, eat and drink, and then they probably you, go you eat. Tr you can't trust anybody in this yeah. business. Yeah. Really. They probably eat the meal or more, more than half of the meal, and they say, "Look, I just found a roach or uh, found something in the food. I'm not, you know, not eating this." Here's an incident. No, <laughs> Here's something that happened to me Here's local, <laughs> at a local waterfront restaurant that I ran for several years. I don't want to say the name, um, but it was New Year's Eve. We were booked out, 360 seats. And my chef kind of wasn't prepared for that. And here it is, midnight, and we're thawing shrimp at midnight to serve shrimp cocktail. Their dinners were supposed to be done. We're still putting salads at 12.45 on people's plates, and they haven't got their dinner yet. Mm. That's number one. So imagine a dining room that is completely upset with you because they're waiting for their food. But here's something even worse, is that the, I had a promoter book a band, and it was a seven-piece band, and the band canceled the morning of New Year's Eve. Mm. And we had a package dinner that wasn't cheap mm. for that night. So he scrambled and got me another band two hours before we opened that day. Well, at midnight, the band was so awful that <laughs> there were six or seven tomato or six or seven tables that were taking their tomatoes from their salad and throwing them oh, no. at the band. And it started with one table and it was just expanding. And then you had the entire crowd booing this band. And you want to talk about an embarrassment? One of the worst nights of my life in the restaurant business. I would have to say So, so. I had to go tell the band. Right around midnight. Get the hell out. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Go home 
And I'll send you the check. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me talk to your promoter about paying you. It wasn't, and, can uh, you sing a little solo? Solo, nobody actually has to hear No, it. you don't want to hear my voice. Right? Jesus, no, oh, okay. my God. Yeah. So it's funny. I can almost deal with drunks. It's like watching a train wreck. You know, those people that are obnoxious. Yeah, lots of them. There's nothing worse to me, and I've got kids, that when you're out to dinner and a family's got these kids and they're running and they're screaming and they're obnoxious and the parents have decided that it's your problem, not mine. Right. Right? I'm not going to do anything to control my children. Right. How do you politely tell somebody, can you take that rug rat out of here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. One of the uh, waitresses that is working for us has a couple of those stories and she actually asked the parent if she could take her son that was screaming crying outside and if if possible pay their check and leave well that person turned around and wrote a nasty review on facebook that's what they do now and uh, and Can't yelp win. and everything else yep so she had a vengeance to get back at her yeah so you got to be careful yeah, of how you re- say it to them. Because yeah. um, they'll, they'll try to say something turn nasty, on, yeah. Yeah, turn, turn it on you and make yeah. you be the victim. Yeah, and unfortunately, guy. you're going to have to maybe pull out a couple of the cameras from the uh, restaurant and show people. You see, it wasn't Too late. Too right. many people read those right. reviews. I know. It's just too bad. It's unfortunate. Tell a drunk that you have to cut him off and no more drinks and we're taking your drink away and give me your car keys. Oh, my gosh could be disastrous. So you're still super excited about this new restaurant you're opening, right? I've never been more excited in in my life. It's in his blood. In in three weeks, right? Yeah. What's your grand opening? Uh, Three weeks, I think. Are we invited, I guess? That's the question. We're inviting ourselves. We'll We'll take Dawn, too. You're all invited. And uh, yes, for sure, you're all invited. Looking for a great, fresh seafood place, sushi. You know, it's my goal to make this the best seafood restaurant in Palm Beach County. Awesome. I think there's a void out there. There's good restaurants, don't get me wrong. We need to be excel and be that the best. The area definitely needs a fresh seafood place. I mean, you look around, there's nothing, like you said, from the boat to the plate. Correct. I don't want to say this, but I ran restaurants, and a majority of your restaurants don't use fresh fish because it's so expensive. They use frozen fish. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong, but it's not the you same quality. You can tell when it's, it's not fresh. The, the flavor is yeah. not the same. Yeah. So we were all about fresh. Bruce, we are so glad you're here. We're wishing you the most amount of success you could possibly have. Thank you so much. And uh, is there Where's anything the restaurant? else you want to share Where's with the restaurant us? Yeah, where is the restaurant? The address? 11940 North U.S. Highway 1, uh, Palm Beach Gardens. And uh, just about a mile from here. You have a website on, so people can side. see the menu? and Yeah, yeah, we got a website going. It's not complete yet, but it's going. We got some pictures of some food on there. Okay. So it's called um, SeminoleReef.com. Excellent. Seminole nice. Reef, yeah. So what are you doing for your grand opening? Don't bring um, that band. That band that you say. Like soft opening? We're doing, uh, yeah, and two days mock service with friends and family, and we'll love to have you guys there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Free we want to be friends and family. Free food. Don't complain if no, 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 no. <laughs> We're not looking for a free one. And then, you know, when you open a restaurant, especially, we have 260 seats there. We have a beautiful patio outside. When you open a restaurant like that, you don't want to open gangbusters because right. everybody's new and they're just getting used to the computers. The cooks are just mm-hmm. getting used to the food. 
but we have no choice. We are in the heart of season right now. Right. We have had a lot of press. We have a billboard right on US-1 here. So I th and there's a lot of buzz out there right now. So I think we're going to have our doors blown in right from the get-go. Well, so. trial by fire. We're hoping that you guys are going to make it. Well, like you said, we should the best. Um, God willing. Right? The area it's, needs um, it. And uh, glad to hear that be yeah. able to get some fresh seafood. Yeah. Christmas. To all your listeners, come one, come all. So you've had I'm Bruce. I'll be there. Just ask for me, and I'll make sure you're well taken care of. You've had this beautiful young woman sitting here, not saying a word the entire time. Can you tell us the relationship between your organization and hers? Yeah, so we hired her organization, they were a PR firm, to um, get us on a radio station like this. We've been on TV so far, on the news, uh, I think four different times. They've been doing a phenomenal job. Do you want to say the name of your company? So I work with Pantalides PR and Consulting. Say that slow one more time. Pantalides PR and Consulting. Okay. Uh, we're based out of Jupiter. We are a women-owned firm, um, and our goal is to make our clients look good. Um, that's our slogan. We make you look good, really good. Uh, and we do that by aligning your brand and your storyline with relevant news topics. Um, you know, so a lot of what Seminole has been going through thus far is supply chain issues and, you know, um, the hiring shortage. Uh, ironically enough, there's so many jobs and a lot of people out of work, but no one that actually wants to go to work, um, you know, and it's something that everyone's aware of, but it doesn't get brought up enough uh, when it comes to situations like this, when you're trying to open a new restaurant. And how do you how do you find ninety five employees on LinkedIn? How do you find not very successfully, right? No, you know. And and to Bruce's point, if you got to have quality, um, if you want to be the best seafood restaurant in this area, you have to bring in those people that can that can um, you know step up to the plate and be the best people. Um, and sometimes by finding those people, you got to expand outside LinkedIn and, and get on the news. Bruce, it sounds like you were smart enough to realize that probably your biggest enemy in this business is time. And that if you think you're gonna do everything for everyone and everything in that restaurant without surrounding yourself with really, like you said, great people and great services. I joke around that the business owner to me that tells me he's gonna buy his own wire and bend his own paper clips because he thinks he's saving money is right. a fool. Right. right. You know, there's certain things you have to delegate. And as much as we all would like to believe we're great at PR, it's really smart of yourself to start this way and have somebody coming on here and do this for you. And uh, we're really excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Wish you the best, man. Yeah, we'll be there. Thank you. Kirsten, for thanks sure. for being with us, too. Thank you thank so God. much. You. you got it, guys. Thank you very okay. much. All right. Dawn, is it a wrap? It's a wrap. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. 
call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Good morning, this is Alan, secret to my success at the less than ungodly hour of 8 a.m. and beyond Saturday morning. And I'm here with my buddy, Luis Salasea. Hello, hello. Good morning, everyone. Luis, how are you today? I'm feeling great, bro. Really? It's great. Early morning. This is great. I'm ready to go. No hangover. No nothing. Not today. Super Bowl's already gone, so that's all over and done with. So you're not drinking. You're not smoking. You're not doing anything. I don't smoke, and every once in a while, social drink is okay. Okay. Dawn, the floor is yours. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm supporting my fedora here. I love so. your fedora. Thank you. Thank you. We need to get Louis one. We get him. We'll but get I don't him think he's going to look nearly I got to. I don't, I don't think I'm going to look like Dawn, but I got a couple of them. You gave me one. I have a Marlins one. Mm. You don't remember giving me one? Head's too big, man. You gave me one, you loser. Your head's too big. <laughs> if it said Red Sox, I'd wear it, but it says the Marlins. I, I do it every once Well, it was a freebie for me, so I figure I'd give you a freebie one back. Louie, I'm feeling the love. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. We have a very special guest this morning. We are talking with Kem Mason. And we were just asking if Kem was short for chemical, if Kem was short for something. Kem, tell us. Kimberly. Kimberly? No, no, it's not. It's not Kimberly. I get that a lot, though. But no, it's my father's initials from Kipling Emerson Mason. His, it's an acronym in a sense. In fact, my own name is Kem E. Mason, and it spells my first name. He was quite clever. That's brilliant. Yes. It's a, it's, it's a conversation piece every single day. So you're from the, the little old town of Lantana. Is that where you're hanging out, or when did you get to Lantana? I moved to Lantana in 2005. I was born, in, I was born and raised in West Palm Beach, but uh, as a firefighter, I started working there in 2000. I loved the town. And I decided to move into it five years later into at 2005. It's funny. So I'm from Connecticut. Louis from up north. He lives in Lantana as well. But when you tell people you live in Lantana, they're usually, Lantana? Mm-hmm. Is that next to Green Acres? Mm. Exactly. It's the flower, Lantana. Lantana. It is. It's a flower. You it know that? You didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, see? There you go. Puerto Rican teaching you the guy, Lantana. Chicago is a flower. That's where Chicago got its name from. A flower. Really? Did yeah. you know that? Yes. You're lying. I, I know. I know my plants. <laughs> it's a smelly flower. I was, uh, as I was told. So. That's pretty funny. So you served in the fire department for how many years in Lantana? Approximately 33 years, and my last 15 years were in the town of Lantana, serving that community. So you worked for Palm Beach County. I worked for Palm Beach County Fire Rescue. The first roughly 15 years, 14 years was uh, with special operations which dealt with hazardous materials, elevated rescue, confined space, black water search and rescue, and those kinds of specialty rescues. So you're still a pretty young guy, and you retired. Was it kind of a mandatory thing? You I said? look young. I'm not young. You look I'm, young. I'm 63. You're young. You're That's y- still young. Yeah, I guess it yeah. is. I'm glad you said it, Louie. Hey, he looks young. I'll take young. it. My children don't think I'm young, but that's okay. <laughs> so there's a restaurant in Lantana almost uh, next to the gym 
it's called a hive now, but it used to be called something else before. Pearls. Pearls. The Pearls. That was a good place. It was good. Um, the hive is good. It's now moved. To the other side of the, the old anchor bo- inn. All, all anchor The in. old anchor inn. And uh, I don't know what's going to be going into that building right now. That used to be good. I used to love going there for that lobster steak they had. Yes. Good. I'm a fan of Station House, though. I'm liking their seafood uh, over there. A little, a little on the other, on the overpriced of me. I, I didn't say it wasn't overpriced, but that little five lobster tail special is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. You can get a big lobster there. I was surprised when I used to eat um, animal protein. <laughs> You're, you're definitely now a vegan, right? I am. Uh, that has a lot of connotations. Let's stick with plant-based eat. So you're eating cardboard? I eat cardboard, yeah. Anything, my crew used Birds to... Birds and vegetables. When we'd have breakfast in the morning, my crew would call me over for breakfast, and then on my plate I'd see twigs and leaves. <laughs> Sweet. Does that mean you were eating nuts, too? <laughs> I am nuts. You are nuts. <laughs> Beautiful. I don't want to talk about food anymore. I was feeling good when we were talking about lobster tails, but now we're talking about eating twigs and leaves. Yeah, this is way off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you just took me right out of that. Alan. So let's talk. (laughs) You were, for how many years once again, 33 years, and you moved up through the ranks in the fire department. I did, and I retired as a captain. What was your secret to your success as being a guy in the fire department to keep moving up and being successful? The secret to my success in the fire department. Just keep moving forward, letting things you know, that bother you, put them to the wayside, and uh, keep studying hard. There's a lot of education that goes into the fire service now. I tell all firefighters that are, are rookies that want to be f- coming to the fire service, make sure you get a great education. And second, learn how to cook. Mm. Now, then, the reason that is because you just moved up the, r- the rungs on the ladder to a higher status because you cook because everybody knows the way to a man's heart is through his stomach so if you're a good cook you get go far in the fire service that's beautiful so that's why you became a vegan so nobody expected anything no that came after the oh, okay just joking. well we have a high we have a high cancer rate and we have a high um heart attack uh rate uh twice what the normal populace is so usually firefighters don't live past i think the, the number is 9.56 years after retirement so you have this incredible, awful wish of serving your community and getting on the town council. Yes, I do. What are I, you thinking? Is, that's not even a paid position. I told it? my wife to shoot me next time I do this. Right? Yeah. No what good was I deed thinking? goes unpunished. It does not. Well, I mean, seriously, I, that's not a paid position, though, right? It is paid. No way. What do you make, like 12 cents an hour by the time you figured? For the town council? Yes. Uh, I've heard, I don't know this to be true, it's, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $900. So you're, so you're not doing this for be, the money? No, there's, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for the prestige because the The presti- fame, the notoriety. The fame, none of that kind of stuff. No, I'm doing it because I've always been a public servant all my adult life, starting as a lifeguard, then fire service. My mother was a public servant. and um, It's in your blood. It's in my blood. But I think, um, I think uh, as Albert Schweitzer says, you know, the, the people that give and serve their community are the happiest people in the world. And I think that's... Um, now, that's a paraphrase, but that's what I think is true. Politics now seems so ugly. And we never talk about politics because this thing that we're talking about for you is a non... There, there's no parties involved. You're not a Democrat. You're not a Republican. It's it nonpartisan. You cannot even mention the fact that you belong to either party. Okay. So that's good because we, we try and avoid all that stuff. So let's talk about you. You're running for town council in Lantana. When's the election? March 8th. 
March 8th. People yeah. have to go vote. People have to go vote. People don't realize it, but their vote for their local government means so much more than the national. But yet, very few people come out. The numbers are roughly around 1,200 for these kind of elections versus, I don't know the numbers for, um, for the national election, but they're much higher. Kevin, so, i got a question. Yes, sir. Let's say you win the election. Yes, sir. What are you trying to accomplish in the city of Lantana? By hold on. Before that? we do that, hold on one second. We're going to take a step back. All right. One second. Ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Go ahead. Okay, so Shoot. <laughs> I belong to the community of Lantana. I own a business. I belong to the Lantana Chamber. And I hear all these rumblings about what's going on in Lantana. And some of the board members have been using this as a platform for their will against man, uh, marijuana in Lantana. And that's what they're saying. They do not want... Board members? Uh, some of the current uh, town council members are saying they do not want to approve. Are you one of those? No, I'm not on the council. And well, they we, did not approve it. The right. vote was five to zero. Okay, so... Against. I am not a guy that smokes weed. Okay. And I have a belief about certain things, which is, Kim, I don't send you a birthday card on my birthday. Because... I I don't need you to celebrate my birthday. My birthday is my birthday. And what I do is my choice. So it seems really hard to believe. And I know some of the philosophies, Ben, and this isn't something that you and I talked about. They're saying that they want it in other places. They don't want people coming into that town to buy marijuana. And it always relates me to my father when he lived in Manchester, Connecticut, or South Windsor, Connecticut, that he fought the mall coming in South Windsor. He and he lost it. No, no, no. He fought it and he won. He kept the mall out of South Windsor. So you know where the mall went? It went three feet down the road into Manchester. And the only thing South Windsor got was the traffic, mm -hmm. none of the tax base. They got nothing. So South Windsor landed up with all these grief and aggravation. Manchester landed up with the revenue. And they landed up with enough money to actually hire more police because there was other things that were taking place. And this all comes down to, look... You're a vegan. Does that mean that you'd want to instill your rights on people to stop eating meat? We should close every restaurant in Lantana. And if you don't drink, we should close every bar because people shouldn't be drinking. Some of my best friends are carnivores. Exactly. <laughs> so how do we get people to understand and realize that just because you believe that way, it doesn't mean you need to instill your will on others to allow them to keep this stuff from happening. I don't smoke marijuana, but I know a lot of people that are using it medically mm -hmm. because it helps them. It's enhanced their lives. It's made them better. And we always say that, that marijuana was a gateway drug. But how many people die in a car accident from alcohol-related? I mean, you were a cop. I mean, a fireman. How many times did you see you went to an accident? Some guy rammed through two cars and kids. I will tell you that in my 33 years, approximately, of fire service, I never once went on a domestic call domestic violence where marijuana was involved it's always alcohol mm -hmm. and to this day there may be somebody out there but to this day I have never found a police officer who has said that he the same thing that he has been to a call where medical marijuana um, were in any, any marijuana I should say has been involved with a domestic and I've never been on a car accident where marijuana was involved either so to these people that are saying this that they don't want to be able they don't want people to be able to buy it in their town but they want them to go elsewhere. So my philosophy is, where do most people go when they're going to smoke marijuana? 
at home. At home. Right? They're going to mm. do it in their home. So whether the guy buys it in Lake Worth, Boynton Beach, he's going to go home. And it's kind of the same thing with alcohol. I mean, you can't stop alcohol, but that guy who gets out and he's drinking publicly in front of the neighborhood and he's obnoxious and he's a jerk, the guy can go anywhere and get it. So I don't understand the philosophy on how people are trying to keep this from the local community when... I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it, Alan, is education. I think a lot of it is ignorance. Um, you look at the area, North Lantana, which is on Dixie, is pretty rough neighborhood there. Right. There's some medicinal clinics around, but there's also the other type of drugs around. And I think that people are afraid that those other probably types of drugs are going to creep in. But I don't think that's the case. I think those other type of drugs have their place in the area where they are. I think medicinal will be different because, uh, for instance, my mom has Parkinson's. I know I buy her CBD oils and I send them to her. And I notice even on the phone talking to her, her voice is calmer, is nicer. You know what I mean? Be, where before it was kind of like real slow and take you know it takes a long time to get words out of her. But when she's into that, I notice a big difference. And I think you know there's there's an, there's, there's a part that I think people need to understand that. Medicinal, you know, just people are going to need it. Um, medicinal. I think that recreational drugs or something else, and, and those got their place. But, Louis, could you imagine if somebody decided to change the law and says you can only use vodka for medicinal purposes? But that's mm -hmm. not going to happen. I know, I'm just saying, but that's, I mean, it seems crazy that when here you got a guy who worked in the fire department for years and he's saying, look, they weren't there's, showing there's up no at cases. violence at people's homes when they're smoking weed, and that you don't have the same thing. But we still have this alcohol thing. Well, let's hear his, what is his, he's running for council. Maybe he should share. Let's hear. Let's hear. Let's, yeah. <laughs> My words of wisdom, right? Let's hear. Let's hear Give us a nugget so or two. What I found through doing research, spending hours looking up uh, statistics, looking up uh, studies on the, break, on the um, gateway uh, concept, uh, none of the arguments came true for me. Um, everybody kept on saying that zebra has spots, but I kept on seeing stripes every time I looked at it. And I took them, you know, at, their, at the face value, I tried to keep an open mind and look and do the research. But the research always came back to, it wasn't true, those fears that came, kept on coming up. Um, a lot of the people, ironically, that fought against it, admittedly smoked marijuana. They go other dispensaries. They just don't want it in their backyard. One of the arguments, which, one of the arguments was, I eat chicken, but I don't want a chicken farm in my backyard. That is true, but you do have a Publix right down the road where you sell chicken, okay? So that was um, one of the strong arguments there. I think a lot of it is a stigma that is still left over from what, the 60s when Nixon era came in and it's a Scheduled One drug, where a Scheduled One says there's no medical um, benefits to this drug. But we all know that's not true. There's plenty of medical benefits to this drug. In fact, that's one of the reasons our mayor brought it back to the table to be voted on again. He, he had an encounter with a close friend of his. The friend said, it is very helpful for my father. It's keeping him alive. And it opened his eyes, and our mayor is a ex police officer and he said he admittedly he was somewhat prejudiced because of that but he had an open mind which I appreciated and I stood up and I and I said that to him 
Is there a way for the tunnel antenna to actually make money on dispensaries? On dispensaries? So we don't really make money on any business except for the property taxes, correct? And then everybody says, and that was one of the arguments also, it's not going to bring any money into it. Well, none of your businesses really do. What do you pay? You pay state taxes. Now that tax money dwindles back down through 67 different counties and into the different local governments, correct? But we get a small fraction of that. But you don't make uh, money on your groceries you buy, some of them, but, but the majority of your groceries you don't pay taxes on. So let's get rid of the Publixes. You don't pay uh, taxes on your medication that you get from the pharmacies, Walgreens and CVS. Let's get rid of them. And that was the argument. So that argument didn't hold true to me. That It didn't hold water. But it is a business that has been proven in Lake Worth, in Boynton Beach, and all over the state that is viable. It, it, it actually helps, according to the real estate um, people that I've talked to in commercial real estate, they said that it actually uplifts the other businesses around it. Right. And I'm saying, we want more businesses in. We have a bunch of businesses that are gone now in empty shells throughout our entire town. It's true. It'll bring people into yeah. the area that might right. then go to the other establishments. Mm -hmm. Now, right? one argument um, was, let's wait till we have a master plan. Well, that master plan is going to take years. So I Every, think everything in Lantana takes years. Exactly, mm -hmm. it does. Well, the new area on the tower—that's uh, going to be nice. Yeah, but yes. that's been going on for how many years now? Yeah. yeah but my but, point but was, but it's but it's, it's going to happen, and it, you know what? It's going to be a nice area. It, you can see it around; it's being cleaned up and everything like that. So it's going to look a lot nicer. My point is, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Okay, we had a building that was available; we could have used it, and it would have been one more. And it, it will be the draw. So when somebody comes into our town, they use this facility, they go across the street to a gas station, or they go over to Chick-fil-A that's coming in to the across the street also, or they go to Publix. But it, it's a draw. And I did not see it as this large boogie monster. Kem, I don't live in Lantana. I don't vote in Lantana. I'm a business owner. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, mm -hmm. local politics over there have gotten ugly. In fact, my name got dragged into a bunch of stuff that I, I seriously, I don't even vote mm -hmm. by a person who went out of her way to figure out how to make others oh, yeah. miserable. I know. So how do you stay above it? What does Michelle Obama say? When they go low, we go high. So yeah, I'm a, so far, according to this, I'm a bully, a liar, and a cheat. <laughs> right. Like those are the names they're calling you, huh? Yeah, but they never use my name. They, it's all implied. But I'm a, a bully, a liar, and a cheat. So, so what would you want to say? Like to that or what do you want to we have a few minutes left so what do you want to say to the people that you want to come out and vote for you like win them over what's your uh, elevator speech my <laughs> elevator speech my elevator speech is I'm not going to talk out of both sides of my mouth uh, I'm going to tell you the truth as I know it I see the zebra it has stripes you can count on that you're not going to agree with me on every single issue you can't agree with everybody on every single issue not even your spouse so but you can know that I'm going to tell you the truth and you can trust that and that's my elevator speech. Do you think you've got a platform that's going to make Lantana safer, a better place we, to be? I think so. I'm, I'm all behind, you know, uh, the police department. Um, oh, I've worked with the police department for 15 years there in the Lantana. Actually, they are one of the best police departments I've ever worked with, and that's one reason I moved into the town. 
It's a great police department, and uh, well, the area has a lot of those uh, drug rehab places around now. Not so much in Lantana. I think more in Lake. No, we do have. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Like well, yeah, the, in the sober homes, we yes. do have a lot, and yeah. we would go to one house an hour later, be back there again yeah. for overdoses. So the issue comes down to there's probably a lot more homes that are not into an HOA association or a condo association. So I know, like I. I live pretty close to Pine Road there, and there's a bunch of them over there, beautiful on the water, but they're individual homes. There's not a deed-restricted community for people to kind of do whatever they need to do, and those mm -hmm. things are making a boatload of money. Right. How do we keep them out? How do we keep? How do we keep those, as Lou was just saying, how do you, how do you keep those things out of Lantana? You Art. can't. ADA does. Um, I went over to try to find out where they are and what they're doing, and, but you cannot. It, it'd be discrimination. But doesn't code enforcement also have the ability to say, hey, look, you got a three-bedroom house. You can't have 14 people living there. There are those kinds of restrictions. But then again, you're not allowed to go in and, and check all that. You know, they, they're restricted. Their hands are tied to ordinances, and, and civil rights allow people, you know, certain rights and freedoms. Um, but the ADA covers a lot of that. Now, do I know all about ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act? No, I don't know all the laws, but I understand something about it. Somebody in the town of Lantana wanted to sit down with you and have a one-to-one -one conversation and hear about your views and your perspectives and how you're going to affect their lives in Lantana. How would they reach you? Well, I have a phone number here, um, and also I have a Gmail. So it's 561-315-7258, and it's also the Gmail is votechemmason at gmail.com. Excellent. How many people are you running against? I'm running against three from my seat, and then there's a, and that's group two, and there's a group one, and there's three people running in that seat. We are separated. What's your biggest challenge in those? What is the biggest challenge yeah. of, of, those, of the other two candidates? Yes. I'm not going to say there's a challenge. It's a matter of what the people are going to want when they come out. But what I will tell you is I'm trying, and I've been taught, those two people are friends of mine. We talk, we've worked together on other projects. Actually, one of them I, I helped with his election. He got voted out, now he's running again against me. But we talk to each other. And that's what I want to bring back to this town is a, a sense of civility and friendliness. I'll give you an example. Yesterday I put up a sign. One of my opponent's sign was down on the ground. The kids come by and they pick them up and throw them down. So I picked it up and I stuck it back in the ground for in a in a respectable place that where it was originally. I called her up and I said, listen, I touched your sign. I'm not allowed to touch your signs, but I wanted to let you know what I did for you so you know. And she was good with it and she said, I do the same for you. And that's what we're going to try to do is keep this a civilized uh, uh, election and bring civility back to our town where everybody's friendly again. You can disagree with me all you want. There's a First Amendment, but it's how you do it. You, you, know? it. you have a right to your opinion. You just don't have a right to your own facts. And that's um, Patrick Monahay, senator. Hmm. That is excellent. That's very good. Like you, right, say, if you, wanna, like you say, Alan, if you want to keep everybody happy, you sell popcorn and ice cream, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it was great to have you here, Cam. Thank you so much. Is there any closing words you'd like to add? Um, come vote. Come, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thanks for the help. Yeah, come vote March 8th. And um, that's the most important thing. Whether you vote for me or not, it doesn't really matter as long as you vote make your voice heard because you know I may not win but and our town isn't gonna go to hell in a handbasket if I don't 
Um, the other people are good people. We just have a different philosophy. That's all there is to it. You should say no. Yeah, you got to vote for me. Oh, I, of course I would. I would. Of course I want you to vote for me, but I'm going to keep it civilized. So is is Louis where he lives? Is I'm going to vote for you, territory? man. I'm going to go you. vote. Sorry. Is he in your area? You're voting. Yes. Area? So right. the whole town can vote for either Group One or Group Two. Thank you, sir. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you for being on another wonderful episode of Secret to My Success. Ken, we wish you the best. We're going to bring you on after you get elected, okay? Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3.